the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. From our nation's capital, welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Seasoned expert on race, religion, relationships, Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Phone lines are open now, 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Good afternoon, friends. David Anderson live right here in the nation's capital. How in the world are you today? Well, wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your car, maybe in front of your computer or your smartphone, watching me on Facebook Live, at Anderson Speaks is my handle there. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And, of course, on the most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the entire country, WAVA. 105.1 FM right here in the nation's capital, covering all of Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Maryland, parts of West Virginia and Pennsylvania as well. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me on this first hour of Rush Hour on your way out of the nation's capital. Hey, listen, today is Tough Topic Tuesday. If If you're new to the show, then you can say it with me. This is how we roll. Marriage Mondays, Tough Topic Tuesdays, Wisdom Wednesdays. Theological Thursdays, and then open phone and Fridays. Anything you want to talk to me about on Friday is fair game today. Tough Topic Tuesday, and today we want to talk about welcoming the stranger, and specifically we're building a bridge again, uh, you know, between uh, those who are at the border and those who are on the other side of the border. How do you build a bridge in the midst of walls? How do you deal with immigration in a country that you want to be secure? Let's talk about that. I've got a special guest who's going to join me in just a moment to help us think through it. But before we do, let me make sure to give you my phone number in case you want to join the conversation. Maybe you have a question. Uh, maybe you have a comment. Uh, maybe you're confused. <laughs> you're, either way, you are welcome to give me a call. My number is 888-432-7434. 888-43-BRIDGE. Let's bow for a word of prayer and commit our time to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your family, to be a part of of uh, what you have done to allow us to uh, come into your world, and we want to thank you for that. Now, bless this show and uh, bless our conversation and our guests as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Together everyone said, Amen. And amen. Well, again, my number, 888-43-BRIDGE. And uh, also, if you want to get a hold of me some other ways, andersonspeaks.com. Or if you want to know what I'm all about, Gracism, all you got to do is go to embracegracism.com. 
or download the app Gracism, and you'll learn uh, what Gracism means, how you can be a Gracist. Put the G in front of it now uh, to help you out there uh, and learn a lot more about that. EmbraceGracism.com. Last thing before I go to the topic and my guest, and that is uh, single folk have been calling me for a while. Some have been requesting this, so I'm going to do it at the end of the summer of 2018 in August sometime. I'm going to host a uh, singles mix, an opportunity uh, for singles to mingle, a little happy hour of my listeners. So if you happen to be a listener, single, and want to connect with uh, someone else, well, guess what? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, it kind of sparked my thinking again when uh, Tanya on Friday called, 20, uh, 49 years old, looking for a man to marry. And then Joseph calls in and says, look, I don't know about marriage, but I'd love to meet Tanya. And so uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but when we do the the single uh, happy hour, if you want to call it that, uh, then I guess uh, maybe you never know. Uh, you got to get in the field. And when you get in the field, you start to meet one another. And who knows what will rise from there, maybe just some good friendships. Here's the bottom line. If you're interested, if you think it's a good idea and you're interested, then shoot me an email. My email is info at andersonspeaks.com. Info at andersonspeaks.com. Tell me you're interested. We'll put you on a list. We'll invite you when it happens. There you have it. My number, 888-43-BRIDGE. My special guest, Matthew Sorens. He's the U.S. Director of Church Mobilization for World Relief. He's also the National Coordinator for the Evangelical Immigration Table a coalition of Christian groups advocating for immigration reforms consistent with biblical values for which World Relief is a founding member. He's also the co-author of Welcoming the Stranger, Justice, Compassion, and Truth in the Immigration Debate. That was uh, on InterVarsity Press, which my book, Gracism, was on InterVarsity Press as well. Came out uh, in July of, you know, actually I don't think the year is right on my paper here, but uh, Matthew will tell us in a second. And then this other book, Seeking Refuge on the Shores of Global Refugee Crisis. That's on Moody Publishers. You know I graduated from the Moody Bible Institute, was the president of the uh, board there for a while as well as the student body. So this man is coming with some really uh, good information that's going to help us out, and I'm just so happy to have him on the show so I can pick his brain. So uh, Matthew Sorens, welcome to Real Talk. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Tell us when the book was published, Welcoming the Stranger. Well, it is a little confusing because it was originally published back in 2009. Um, uh -huh. but we have a, a new, uh, almost entirely revised edition of it coming out next month. Oh, I see. Got so. it. So you got a new revised edition. That makes total sense. What is the book about? I think you co-authored it with Jenny Yang. What, what was the book about mainly? Is it about open borders and just letting people come in from every uh, walk of life? Is, is that what this is advocating? No, it's it's not. I, mean, I think we take kind of a, a more nuanced approach to this. On one hand, we think that we should be a welcoming nation, and we can we can do more to welcome immigrants that, you know, would be in their interest, but also in the interest of the country. But also, we're a nation that has has laws, and we need to honor the law. Mm -hmm. And we think it's possible both to uh, to honor the law, to say, and to form better laws that are are you know, going to be better both for immigrants and for the nation as a whole. Mm -hmm. and, but then the other part of it is looking at, well, what is the church's response to this? Because the government's role is important, but mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're not so focused on immigration as a political issue that we miss out on the role of the church in welcoming the people who are in our neighborhood and, and loving mm -hmm. our neighbors as themselves. Well, that becomes difficult for a lot of uh, conservative Christians who 
believe in the rule of law. We know our attorney general uh, used Romans 13 to say we should obey the law. So I think it's hard for uh, some conservative Christians to both love and at the same time want to hold on to the law and then they kind of have an attitude against anybody who's coming in illegally and they see them as an illegal alien and they kind of have an attitude. Are you trying to work on the Christian attitude here or the Christian uh, view of what immigration should be? You know, I think in some ways on both, um, mm-hmm. because I don't compl- – well, I would say I do disagree with the attorney general's exegesis there. I don't think mm-hmm. that the way he interpreted the passage in Romans chapter 13 is really how any Christian theologian that I'm aware of would interpret that passage. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that it would mean whatever the law says is necessarily just and you should obey it and you should enforce it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it, it, that was written by the Apostle Paul, who spent who, a significant amount of time in jail on the wrong side of some unjust laws. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a simplistic understanding. But I also wouldn't dismiss Romans chapter 13 altogether and say, well, somehow this is, you know, we should cut this page out of the Bible. It, it has been misused at various points in, in history. Hmm. Well, let's stop right there for a second, Matthew, because yeah. when we get back on the other side of the break, I kind of want to press in a little bit more on this topic. You're tuned into, you're watching Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Get in where you fit in, Triple Eight Four Three Ridge. smelly basement well, let me tell you something amber and i had some basement issues we called best buy waterproofing they came and they helped us out if you have mold mildew cracks blistered pain in your walls or you're just not quite sure if your basement is altogether safe then call best buy waterproofing just go to bestbuywaterproofing.com they have over 30 years of experience and they'll even donate 500 to my show if you end up doing business with them but most of all get your basement fixed. Give them a call. 844-980-3707. That's 844-980-3707. The Multicultural Ministry Handbook. What is multicultural ministry? How does it affect me? Why is it important? If you want to know the answers to these and many other questions, then the Multicultural Ministry Handbook is a must-read. This story was modeled on the pioneering planting of Bridgeway Community Church, where founding pastor Dr. David Anderson had the vision for a dynamic, diverse, grace-filled place. Authored by a group of folks who've been doing ministry together for many years, this book is a testimony of personal journeys and practical ideas for any church with the desire to do life as God would have us do it. The Multicultural Ministry Handbook, published by InterVarsity Press, can be purchased at your local bookstore, Amazon.com, or Andersonspeaks.com. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. That's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc.
Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For more information about this program or for resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. You can call our hotline at any time at 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. To watch us on Facebook Live or to check out our previous broadcasts, visit Dr. Anderson's public Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson and click like. To join our text community and receive a free weekly textspiration from Dr. Anderson, just text the word INSPIRE to 50555. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 50555. And now, back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. And I'm back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. On my Facebook page, Lisa Knox says, I would love to listen, but the volume is so low. Maybe we can get that volume a little bit higher for you there, Lisa, if you're watching on Facebook Live. Doreen says, hello, Bray Boy is her last name. And then Teresa Bailey is in the house. Rick Little's watching as well. We are talking about a very uh, tough topic, really, and that's immigration and specifically welcoming the stranger author or co-author of that book, Matthew Sorens, also uh, the uh, leader, one of the leaders of this uh, movement of evangelical immigration table. How do we how do we reconcile all of this? And so Matthew Sorens is my guest today. Matthew, thank you so much for being on Real Talk. Yeah, I'm so happy to be with you. You know, before the break, we were talking about Romans 13 and Attorney Jeff Sessions using that, and you were kind of explaining uh, what is the sort of uh, understanding of how Romans 13 should be uh, should be looked at with regard to this issue. Let me come back to you on that. What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, if you keep reading in Romans 13, it kind of defines for us what the role of the government, the state is. It says that the government should not be a terror to anyone who has not done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think that when you see, for example, the sort of policies that were in place in the last few weeks where families who are coming to the United States to seek asylum, they want to request protection under the terms of U.S. law, mm-hmm. are having their small children taken away from them. Uh, to me, that sounds rather like terror. I mean, I mm-hmm. can't even imagine as a father if mm-hmm. that were to happen to me how horrible I would, inter- you know, he's terrified I would be. Um, so I think that means the government in that case isn't serving its proper function. And uh-huh. the role of, of all of us who are citizens of this country is to speak into that process. Mm-hmm. Part of being subject to governing authorities in a democracy is when policies are not just, are not for human flourishing, we get to speak up. And I think we've seen that from a lot of Christian leaders in the last few weeks, around, particularly around this policy of small children at, at the border being taken from their parents. Does it have to get to that point where you're dealing with this, whether it's in the Obama administration or the Trump administration, you have to have uh, camera showing the cruelty of, or the pain at least, of deportation or detaining. I mean, isn't it breaking the law, Matthew, when they come over here in the first place? Yeah, you know, it's complicated because we have con- uh, laws that, they're not conflicting, but they, they send people in different directions because one law says it is lawful to request asylum at any point in the United States, even, you know, if you're caught by the Border Patrol. And, and in fact, many of these people are looking for the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to sneak into the country. They are looking for Border Patrol agents to make their asylum claim. Mm-hmm. It is also a, a misdemeanor. It can be a misdemeanor offense to improperly enter the country uh-huh. um, without a visa. Uh, 
what past administrations have done is they've used some discretion there. So they've said, yes, we're going to charge certain people for improper entry, but if you're seeking asylum, we generally wouldn't charge you, whether the Bush administration or the Obama administration or the Trump administration until recently. Uh-huh. Or if you're with small children, uh, we're going to use discretion thinking about the, the well-being of those kids and not charge you with this misdemeanor offense in that case, in uh-huh. most cases. So in that, that case, it's not a, you're not breaking a law if you're coming to seek asylum. Well, it's not against the law to seek asylum, and the the government has the discretion to determine how to enforce the law. It's the same way that, you know, a police officer can give you a speeding ticket if you're going four miles an hour over the speed limit, but he doesn't have to. Uh-huh. Uh, and in fact, if you're speeding because you've got a your daughter in the back seat having a medical emergency and you're trying to get to the emergency room, it would be rather unusual and I think rather cruel for a police officer to, to stop you there and say, well, I have to give you a ticket. The law is the law, and you were going six miles over the speed limit. Uh-huh. Um, Law enforcement uses discretion all the time, and, and my view is it's appropriate in that, that case to use discretion. But I would also say that's a great example of how we can make we can honor the law more by having more precise laws. Uh, uh-huh. We ought to clarify in the law that it's not a misdemeanor offense when you are seeking asylum, when you have a well-founded fear of persecution or violence in your country of origin. Now, is that the tr- the true case? I'm asking on behalf of my listeners that this is what people really are doing, or is that just really a liberal spin on all these folks who want to come in to our country because it's a better life and it's also a big open door for MS-13, and these people are coming over, they're rapists, they're criminals, and this is really just a liberal spin. It's not really about asylum and all of that, or like one woman called last week and said, I'd never separate my children or send my child with a coyote across a border. That's that's terrible as a mother. So is this really just all the liberal spin on this, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that there are a diversity of experiences. Not everyone coming has the same story, Mm -hmm. um, but it is absolutely true, and I've spent time in El Salvador in particular in the past year or so, uh, that there are extremely high rates of homicide in El Salvador, 15 times what it is in the United States, for Mm -hmm. all the violence and problems that we have here. Mm -hmm. Um, In Honduras, 10 times what it is in the United States, and it's particularly focused often at young children, teenage boys, teenage girls also, who are being recruited into gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, that's not to say that everyone from those countries of origin that shows up at the U.S. border meets the qualifications, but absolutely many of them have a very well-founded fear of, of violence. And, and, I mean, I met a number of families in local churches who had made that choice to send their children or send their children to be reunited with a relative in the U.S., you know, I think we can even look at biblical stories. It speaks to the level of desperation that some people would send their kids on that dangerous journey. But if you look at the story of, of Moses, and Moses' mother, Jochebed, was, had to make a tough decision. Her son was going to be killed, so mm-hmm. she put him into a basket, and he, he was raised by a, foreigner, a family of foreigners. Mm. But that was, in her view, and probably rightly, the only way he was going to survive. Right. And a lot of... And notably, a lot of these people are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, El Salvador's uh, a largely Christian country, same with Honduras. A lot of these folks are in a very desperate situation, and they want more than anything to to protect their children. The same that I want to protect my kids. Right. So should we uh, work with El Salvador to help them do less crime, or is it like, listen, that's your country, this is our country, we'll work on our crime here, you work on your crime there, but we are... Uh, like it seems like it's a really big problem. They're going to keep coming if it's a really bad uh, state of affairs in El Salvador or in Honduras, right? It, it is, and uh, you know, there's only limited things I think that the U.S. can do, but there are things that our government can do diplomatically, and well, things that we can do 
you know, in terms of supporting churches and ministry in Central America that are helping to address the root causes of these problems. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we ought to be doing that, and both as a government, but also as, as churches and as individuals. Uh, I also think on a policy level, one of the reasons we're seeing this crisis now, I believe, is because the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program has declined really dramatically in the last couple of years, down from all countries from about 100,000 in 2016 to on track to about 22,000 in 2018. Uh-huh. And that has affected Central America along with the Middle East and Africa and you know everywhere else in the world. So it used to be there was at least a small hope that if you had a well-founded fear of persecution, you could register as a refugee with the U.S. government abroad, whether uh-huh. in some cases in your home country or in a neighboring country, closer to home. And then if the U.S. agreed, yes, you meet that definition of someone who's fled persecution, vets you thoroughly, you'd come on an airplane. Uh-huh. There's no one who wouldn't prefer to come on an airplane with their small children right. than to go across the whole country of Mexico to reach the border to request asylum. Right. But with the numbers of refugees down so dramatically, uh, about 80% overall from all countries, a lot of people feel like there's really no hope to save their families to be safe unless they can make it to that border to request asylum. Gotcha. So then they go on this uh, caravan journey for days or weeks at a time to get to the United States southern border. Is that what's happening? That's right. And, you know, I think we'd all agree it would be much preferable for them and for the for the country as a whole that's receiving them if there was a more orderly process where they could be processed overseas. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've really diminished in the last few years as a country. Gotcha. 888-432-7434. Do you mind taking a few phone calls, uh, Matthew? No. Happy to. Let's go uh, to Virginia in the car. We have Albert, who's on the line. Hi, Albert. It's Dr. Anderson. How are you, sir? Good, good, Dr. Anderson. How are you doing? Oh, I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for hanging with me. What are you thinking? Well, so I, I'm a, I would classify myself as uh, either a conservative Christian or, or maybe a libertarian, more of a libertarian Christian. Got it. Uh, but, yeah, um, and what was the gentleman's name? Matthew Sorens. Right yeah, Mr. Sorens. Matt, hey there, Mr. Soren. So hey, this is Albert. Yeah, the, the, I, good, good. The one piece of part that I was just calling to, to comment on, and I, I just disagreed with a, a bit. Go for um, it. And, and it's it's um, there was a, and I'll, I'll kind of frame this. Uh, there was a recent piece on CNN where they interviewed this border patrol agent. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen that. Um, it's been shared around on Facebook quite a bit. I I, I checked it out. I think that border patrol agent described the complexity of the situation. What did he say? Really better than anybody. But so basically, he said um, it's not the one thing. The one point right off the bat is that yeah, the, the part I disagreed about it. It is illegal to try to cross the border, um, you know, outside of the port of entry. And uh-huh. he said, so I don't know why they're not going across the the. Uh, applying at the port of entry and then that kind of spurred this discussion about changing the immigration law which he agreed with and so do i uh-huh. and i think that mr Sorensen uh, is also stating but that he went over some examples he said so the people that make the, the willing decision to not go to the port of entry many of them like this and he gave the example of catching a father and a daughter crossing um they had to separate the father from the daughter because the father had a, a pre-existing uh, warrant out for his arrest for rape mm, mm. Uh, in the U.S. and and they said his comment, which was true, is well, if if you know if that existed within the U.S., we of course you'd you'd want to separate the father from the, the right. daughter as the father gets processed and prosecuted for a crime like that. Right. So it's very complex, and he did also make the comment that we're not separating everyone because if some of the, the examples that Mr. Sorensen gave was okay, if somebody does say, hey, we are, uh, we're I know you're catching us 
uh, crossing illegally, uh, but we are, uh, uh, you know, pleading for asylum. And then they check them out. They they don't have any warrants or felonies. They didn't separate those folks. Um, So there are some that just aren't getting reported. Those guys aren't getting separated. But then he also threw into the mix to complicate matters further. He said, well, because also, you know, these children are getting exposed to not only the terrain, uh, the the risk of the cartels Mm. that – uh, some of the children crossing are actually drug drug mules that are not with their parents. It, it's a it's a very uh, old ta- tactic of the uh, cartels uh, to to match a mother up with children that are not her own, and so then they, and they have got, to they separate gotta, those. Then they have to figure that out as well. Yeah. Hey, Albert, listen, I've got I've got to run to my. It's all mixed up. No, I got your point, yeah. and I want uh, Matthew Sorens to respond after the commercial break. So make sure you listen on the air and Matthew when we get back let's see uh, how we can respond to Albert's thought of it's a mixed bag at the border and I think his question is uh, or what he may have disagreed with is that maybe everybody's coming to seek asylum as opposed to some are some aren't so when we get back from our break would you be willing to kind of help walk us through that sure absolutely excellent well friends you're tuned in to you're watching you're listening to real talk with Dr. David Anderson my lines are open get in where you fit in 888-432-7434. Today, more than ever, it is imperative to offer your child a Christian education. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever. Amen. At First Baptist School of Laurel, this verse rings true in all that they do. Education is a partnership between the parents, students, teachers, and faculty. Let FBSL collaborate with you and provide your child with the best education and peace of mind found in a Christian learning environment. FBSL offers a rigorous Bible. Bible-based curriculum, competitive tuition, before and after care, and a summer camp program, all in a safe environment with a loving Christ-like faculty. First Baptist School of Laurel is a Maryland state-approved non-public school. First Baptist School of Laurel prides itself on its small class sizes and offers classes that range from preschool 3 to the 8th grade. If this is what you are looking for in a school and would like more information or to begin the enrollment process, call 301-490-1076 or fbslaurel.com. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. 
wait. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Do you have a retirement account worth more than $100,000? Pay very close attention to what I'm about to tell you. Gold is a better way. Gold, it's better. Better way to protect your retirement, a better way to grow your retirement, and better than everything you're currently doing inside your retirement account. My name is Adam Barada. I'm the founder of goldisabetterway.com. And I'm so certain gold is going higher in price and going to outperform stocks and bonds. I've created the world's first gold retirement protection platform ever built. If you have an IRA or 401k, I want to give you free access. Once you see this, you'll have no choice but to agree. And all you need to do is call for your special code. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. On a recorded line, you'll get a special code. You can join the site for free. No salespeople, no rigmarole. Just call 800-900-8000. Get your code. Get it now. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way.com. It's real talk. With Dr. David Anderson, second half of the show. For those of you just getting in your cars, thanks a lot for joining us. You are coming in on a nice, hot uh, topic, a tough topic for sure on this Tuesday. We're talking about immigration. What should the Christian response be to immigration? I've got special guest, co-author of the book, Welcoming the Stranger on InterVarsity Press. The subtitle, Justice, Compassion, and Truth in the Immigration Debate, Matthew Sorens. And uh, if you want to call in, uh, ask some questions of Matthew or uh, a comment, our phone number live in studio, 888-43-BRIDGE. Those digits are 888-432-7434. Now, Matthew, before the break, uh, Albert was talking about the mixed bag of people coming across the border. How do you respond to what he's he's, uh, saying? Yeah, you know, I actually completely agree on that point that it is a mixed bag of people. There are people with, uh, I think the vast majority of them are people with good intentions trying to help their families, but there could be people with bad intentions as well. Mm -hmm. There are people who would meet the legal definition of a refugee with a well-founded fear of persecution for particular reasons. There also are people fleeing poverty who wouldn't meet the legal definition of a refugee, even if their case is sympathetic. It doesn't Mm -hmm. qualify them under the law. And that's, to me, that's exactly why I, I'm troubled by what has been called a zero-tolerance policy, uh, because it treats everyone the same. It uh-huh. says we're not going to use discretion to say that actually the case of someone who has a well-founded fear of persecution or the case of someone who's with their small children is categorically different than mm-hmm. some of these other situations. And yeah. Whenever we try to use a really broad brush and, and like zero-tolerance, it says we're taking discretion away from the law enforcement folks at the border. Uh, well, a friend of mine, uh, who he's a professor over at Wheaton College near where I'm at now, but he was um, he was the U.S. attorney for the state of New Mexico, and he wrote a great piece um, for the Wheaton College website about his experience prosecuting people for unlawful entry. And, and the point that he raised was, you know, there's a lot of other crimes that get committed for any U.S. attorney to prosecute. And when we have zero tolerance, we are being told there's no discretion on what you're going to prosecute. 
and when it comes to immigration, uh, you know, a small misdemeanor nonviolent offense, there's a lot less resources to prosecute much more significant criminal issues, mm-hmm. whether that's drug trafficking or uh, human trafficking or any number of other of other dynamics. So How about that? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, where I, I land is to say, yes, these are different people. We need to treat each case separately, and that's where letting law enforcement use discretion is important. Do you like the getting more judges down there as an answer? You know, I am. I think it's appropriate to have more judges um, to to adjudicate asylum claims more quickly. I would say we should also have more attorneys down there. One thing that I think most Americans probably don't realize is if you're in an immigration court proceeding, even if you're a seven-year-old child by yourself, mm-hmm. you do not get assigned an attorney. Uh, you can have one at your own expense, um, but mm-hmm. unless there's you know enough people at a nonprofit pro bono folks providing immigration assistance. We're expecting pe- literally children to understand U.S. immigration law, well, and I don't think that's a, a real just situation. Well, Lord knows we have enough attorneys in America, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and that's, uh, you know, one thing we've got, we don't have many, but we have a few immigration attorneys on our staff for World Relief, and actually we've been working to send a few of them down. We don't really operate on the border, uh-huh. but given this crisis, we've been, uh, you know, raising some resources to send a few of our staff uh, who, who are qualified to do so and have the credentials as attorneys or legal representatives to go down to help out with some uh, of these cases. How about that? Wow. How about that? Hey, let's go to Silver Spring, Maryland. Talk to Victor, who's calling in. Hey, Victor. Dr. Anderson, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you, doctor. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for hanging out with me and Matthew Sorens. What's your comment or question today, sir? Uh, yes, um, doc, my uh, comment is, uh, is, where do we draw the line? I um, understand um, as a father of um, four children, I understand uh, what the situation is. But I think in um, all these um, um, jurisdictions, um, say in Mexico, mm-hmm. they have an embassy over there wherein if you are, you are in, um, um, in a situation that you can't live over there or you want to move, you want to immigrate to the U.S., Mm-hmm. You can go to the embassy over there and do what you have to do instead of coming over the border illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the most of us from Africa coming over, we go to the consulate over there. We obtain a visa, right. whatever form of visa you obtain, you obtain a visa and then you come in. Then you can straighten yourself out how you want to do it. Yeah, but. So- um, so it, is, it is so painful. It is so painful to use the children as a shield to come in. Yes. That is why in places where there are wars, when people try to, like the the groups like Al-Qaeda, the goals, um, infiltrate areas where there are civilians and they use the kids as shields, you know, the, 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 the army or the, 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 the military doesn't look at that. They just go ahead and do what they have to do. Well, it's, oh, it, is, it is unfortunate, Victor, when people are using your ch- the children in this way. You do make a good point. Let me let you go because I've got to run to this break. And when I get back, listen on the air. I'm going to ask Matthew, what about the Mexican embassy? And what can Mexico do to actually help us? Because if they're coming from another country through Mexico, uh, do, does Mexico actually have a responsibility here? I'm coming back to you in just three minutes. You're tuned in to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Like new sunglasses, like a brand new pair of jeans. I feel like taking chances. I feel a lot like 17. 
when asked the question raised by her professor, why are you here at Omega Graduate School? Sebla Diluhailu answered in one of her essays like this. I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times, and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Diluhailu, a current doctor of philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to OGS.edu today and apply or call 1-800-933-6188. Have you ever walked into your basement and there was that smell? You weren't quite sure what it was, mold, mildew, cracks, or blistered paint in your walls? Well, listen, you need to call Best Buy Waterproofing. They'll come by, give you a free inspection, and they'll let you know, is it water wreaking havoc on the foundation of your home? They have more than 30 years of experience and they're ready to give you and all my listeners a free basement inspection. All you got to do is give them a call. 844-980-3707. One more time. Here's the number. 844-980-3707. Or check them out at bestbuywaterproofing.com. And by the way, if you do business with them, they'll donate $500 to support my radio ministry. So give them a call. Best Buy Waterproofing. Have you heard any good lawyer jokes lately? Well, let me tell you about a lawyer who is no joke. That's James McCullum. He's a no-nonsense attorney who understands the law and he knows the Lord. When I have need of legal advice, I have contacted James McCullum. If you need legal representation, contact James McCullum at 301-864-6070. That's attorney James McCullum at 301-864-6070. And that's no joke. And I'm back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's by Waterproofing. They'll give a $500 donation to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson if they end up uh, doing business with you, one of my listeners. Of course, they'll give you a free inspection if you are uh, dealing with mold, mildew, or water in your basement. Like my neighbor, by the way, came across the cul-de-sac and said, you know what, waterproofing guy? I kid you not. We're just sitting out in the lawn because we have water in our basement. I said, I know a guy. <laughs> so that's an investbywaterproofing.com. And sure enough, uh, Andrew Altman, one of their... Uh, uh, workers there. In fact, he's the owner, and he has several other people that work with him. But he uh, set up an appointment and doing a free inspection for them even today. If you want to give him a call for a free inspection, and you're one of my listeners, just call him at 844-980-3707. That's 844-980-3707. Make sure you tell him Dr. Anderson sent you. All right. Now, we are talking about immigration and we are talking specifically about welcoming the stranger, which is the title of Matthew Soren's book on the topic. Before the break, Matthew, uh, Victor, who's from an African country, says, where do you draw the line and what about the Mexican embassy? What do you think about that? 
Yeah, you know, I think he brings up a really common concern, which is, you know, we want to be a, a pro-immigrant country, or a lot of Americans do, but why can't that just be done legally? And that actually is my belief, too. I think we want to make mm -hmm. more avenues for lawful migration. As I said earlier, I'd much rather those people from, from Central America be able to go to the U.S. consulate in their own country and request uh, um, refugee status. And mm -hmm. that used to happen on a, more than it does right now because of some declines in, in the refugee resettlement program. Um, I think it's important to know that you can't that you can get to a U.S. consulate does not allow you to request asylum. You have to be on U.S. property to make that claim. Uh -huh. So, I mean, anyone in the world could get to a U.S. consulate in their own country. Uh, it doesn't entitle them to an asylum claim. They can request, you know, they can talk to anyone they want, but there's no yeah. legal obligation from the U.S. government at that point, whereas once you're on U.S. soil, you have a legal right to yeah. apply for asylum. What about Mexico's obligation? Yeah, so Mexico has asylum laws that are fairly similar to the United States in that people who claim a well-founded fear of persecution could request asylum in Mexico as well, and many have, and not just Mexico. I mean, I was in Costa Rica last month, and some of my closest friends there have been hosting a Salvadoran family because people mm -hmm. from El Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala, because of the violence, they're going in all directions. I see. And I think that we will see more people requesting asylum in Mexico as a result of some of these new policies, potentially. But the reason many people want to come to the United States is, uh, A, many of them already have families here. Uh, if you look at historical migration trends, a lot of Salvadorans came to the U.S. in the, in the late 70s and early 80s when there was a civil war. Uh -huh. um, and because we have a Statue of Liberty that says, give me your tired, your poor, your, your, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. We have that reputation as a country that will take those who are now, persecuted, it, who are poor. Where does it say that? I'm sorry? Where does it say that? Uh, it says that on a, in a, a sonnet written by Emma Lazarus that is at the base of the Statue of Liberty. No, hang on. It says, bring your what? <laughs> you're tired, you're poor, you're teeming. Hang on, no, 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 no. Your best, your brightest. <laughs> hang well, on. Now. <laughs> I think that's the debate right now, right? Uh -huh. and, and get, to be clear, I think we should have more visas for highly skilled folks who have a lot to benefit our economy. But if you look at those, you know, quote-unquote, poor, teeming masses yearning to breathe free, they've done a lot for the United States as well. I mean, uh -huh. if you look... It, even some of our biggest companies, 40% of our Fortune 500 companies were founded by an immigrant or their child. Huh. And many of them did not, were not brought here because they were highly skilled. Someone like Sergey Brin came as a kid, uh, as a refugee fleeing anti-Semitic persecution in the former Soviet Union. He co-founded Google, which is a, you know, a service that we, most of us use a few times a day, and that employs mm. tens of thousands of people. And you could look at one you know, business after another that's benefited from the entrepreneurship of immigrants who didn't all come from you know highly educated positions. How about that? And what would happen if we just deported all the all the uh, immigrants, or at least the ones we don't like? Okay, so the the ones that are brown and <laughs> or black, you know, we want them from good countries like uh, you know Norway and stuff. But how if we did just say, you know what, let's just get rid of of the the Spanish speaking ones? You know, what I mean, the happen? economic consequences of that, to say nothing of the moral problems, obviously, and the ethical problems from a biblical perspective, but the economic consequences of, even if we were to deport just those, you know, who are unlawfully present, there's about 11 million people, and that's not all from Latin America, they're actually from all over the world, but the majority are from Latin America. If we were to actually, first of all, just to figure out how to deport them all, it would cost somewhere around $300 billion to find them and remove them. Um, mm. And that's not counting the cost of not having them in the economy as workers, as consumers, as taxpayers. One of the big misconceptions out there is these people don't pay taxes, but uh, most of them do, um, whether that's sales taxes because you don't get a special card to go through the line at the grocery store that says, right. I'm here illegally, don't charge me taxes. Right. But also income taxes. Our federal government has a very duplicitous approach to this issue because the Department of Homeland Security says you're not supposed to be here. 
and the Internal Revenue Service says file and pay your taxes anyway. We'll <laughs> create a special process for you to do so if you don't have a valid Social Security number. Is that right? So uh, in if, fact, if, I, if, a, if a Hispanic is picking uh, oranges so I can have orange juice, you're telling me that that guy out in the field picking those oranges is still paying into the uh, American tax system? More likely than not. Well, certainly on some level they are, whether it's sales or property taxes. But uh, the Social Security Administration estimates that it's somewhere right around 50% of those who are working un unlawfully who are having payroll taxes taken from their paychecks. Now, I'd like to get that up huh. to 100%, and that would be one benefit of an earned legalization process. Huh. But a lot of people, and, and the Social Security Administration themselves will acknowledge it, it's as much as $12 billion per year from numbers that don't match the name on the card that come into them as contributions. How but they don't send that money back. They send it on to my grandmother and other people who paid into Social Security but, in years past. But they're taking the jobs that we we want, right? Uh, I want to be out there, and I want my family to be out there picking oranges. Uh, well, and, and, and my kids, I'm raising them so that they will one day go pick oranges for the rest of their life. Is, is, so you got an immigrant Mexican dude taking my kid's job. I'm really mad about that. Which, I mean, would you when say? I meet the person who says that with a straight face, then I think it's a legitimate <laughs> argument. But the reality is most of us don't have that as the ideal dream job for our children. Uh -huh. And frankly, most immigrants don't love that job either. But they're willing mm. to do it for a generation, knowing that their kids are going to have a better opportunity. Wow. Because of access to education in this country that in many cases is not the case in their country of origin. I know you're on the phone. You can't see my tongue in cheek, but I know you heard it. All right, yeah. let me go, let me go to Alex in uh, Dumfries, Virginia. Hey, Alex, thanks for calling. What are you thinking? How are you guys? We're doing great. great. Good, good. I I want to talk. Uh, forgive my English. Uh, I will try to uh, express myself on my ideas. Uh, I want to talk on behalf of the families. I am from El Salvador, mm. and. Uh, I understand that the families in some way are bringing their kids with them. Uh, this is what's going on in El Salvador, okay? Gang members will show up to your house and will tell you, by the end of the month, I want everybody out of this house. Mm. If not, we're going to start killing your kids. Wow. All right? So what people should do about it? The government in El Salvador doesn't do anything at all. And why, so do, why do they do that, Alex? Do? Why do the gangs do that? Because they want to take the property? They want to take the property, and also they would show up to your homes and say, beginning by the end of this week, I we want to charge you $100 every week. So tell your members that they should put the money and we will send somebody to pick up the money every week. Wow. If you don't have it, we're going to start killing people right here. My goodness. People is afraid of living there. They have, they don't want to leave their kids over there. They have to bring it with them. I understand that part. At the same time, I understand that, you know, uh, something got to be done with the border. I understand that part. Now, trying to come here legally is not that easy. Tell me how you how it's how did not you that easy. how did you do it, Alex? First of all, are you legal or not legal? I am legal. My mom came in 1972, uh -huh. uh, and she uh, got an American uh, uh, gentleman who helped her, uh, you know, with the papers. Uh, she had a visa. 
And then uh, she was able to become a resident alien. Yeah, and see. then she became a citizen. And then she applied for all of us. But she had to. She had the support of this wonderful American guy. Oh. And, uh, you know, he was willing to, you know, show that, mm. that he has money to support us. And then everybody came legally, well, all my family, five well, kids. Well, that is definitely a blessing. Hey, listen, Alex, I've got to run. Thanks for sharing your story. When we get back, we're going to land this plane. I really want you to respond to Alex as well, Matthew, and any final comments you might have. Friends, it's a hot topic. We need to keep talking about it. We need to be praying about it. But we also need to learn how to welcome the stranger according to Scripture. Maybe we'll get that out of uh, Matthew Sorens, our special guest, when we get back. Joining you right now, Brian Sheely, Mike Rakeman, Brian Sheely, our co-founders of Fellowship Home Loans, mortgage lending guided by Christian principles. Brian, the Feds increased the rates again last week. What can we as consumers expect with this? Who's it going to impact? How will it actually play itself out? Yeah, Don, this wasn't a surprise. We all saw it coming, and I don't think this is going to be the last increase of the year. As we discussed, rates are going to continue to rise throughout the end of the year. You may find some pockets, some things that may happen that will you know, drop rates slightly, but this just isn't affecting homeowners or those purchasing homes. These are affecting anyone, any people out there that have any type of debt, any type of credit cards, personal loans, installment loans. The bottom line is, Don, the cost of money is rising across the board. I want to talk more about it with Mike O'Brien. Here's the number, 1-800-804-SAVE. 1-800-804-7283 and on the web at fellowshiphomeloans.com. A few years ago, I started noticing how quick my legs got tired, sore, and heavy feeling. I'm over 40, so I figured par for the course, right? But then my doctor told me about vein disease. Vein disease is more commonly recognized as those naughty, bulging varicose or spider veins. But you can still have it and not see the obvious signs. In fact, vein disease is typically undiagnosed and can be debilitating if left untreated. So I went to the specialist at Vein Clinics of America for a free evaluation. They've been successfully treating vein disease for over over 35 years. One easy test and they can tell you definitely whether you have it or don't. I did. Treatments were minimally invasive. It was covered by my insurance. And now my ugly varicose and spider veins are gone. Thanks to Vein Clinics of America, my legs feel years younger. And I'm able to wear shorts and skirts again. So call Vein Clinics of America now to see if you qualify for a free consultation. Call 800-303-4141. That's 800-303-4141. 800-303-4141. When most people hear the word leprosy, they wonder if it still even exists. But leprosy does exist. It's a disease that cripples and disfigures, sinking adults and children alike into lives of shame and isolation. The man with leprosy said to Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus said, I am willing. Are you willing? You can stop leprosy. Right now, you have an incredible opportunity to help and heal children who are suffering. Because it costs only $90 to cure leprosy in three people, you can be the source of their healing. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Give now to help those suffering with leprosy. Call American Leprosy Missions right now. 800-979-1980. 800-979-1980. That's 800-979-1980 or give online at StopLeprosyNow.com. 
This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's andersonspeaks.com. And I am back, and I've been hosting today's show and topic, Immigration. Uh, Welcoming the Stranger is the title of the book. My special guest, Matthew Sorens, wrote the book along uh, with a co-author. And we've been, uh, we haven't dove into the details of the book. We've been diving into the details of Matthew's wisdom. And so, Matthew, you have to tell us where to get the book. But first, I want to ask you, how do you respond to Alex before the break, who came from El Salvador and says that gangs will come to the house and say, you got to be out in 30 days or else we're going to kill all your kids? Yeah, uh, tragically, I've heard the same stories when I was in El Salvador, El Salvador last year. And, mm. and I think the situation in Honduras and Guatemala is fairly similar. Mm. So it is those dynamics are real. And that's not to say that every person who comes to the U.S. has that story, uh-huh. but it's not right of us to dismiss them as all, you know, just storytelling to try to sneak into the country. That's mm. really not what's happening. So how are we supposed to respond then in the last couple minutes here? What would be your uh, takeaway? Of course, people need to get the book. Where can they get that? And then tell us, what should we do? Yeah, so the book, you can get it from InterVarsity Press or, you know, any online bookseller. It, it'll actually be out um, in a few weeks now. The new edition will be out. Okay. Um, but I would say... You know, we, of course, there's things our government could do, and one of the things we can do as as followers of Jesus is advocate for more just policies. We kind of outline what we think that would look like in the book, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want people to miss that there are so many opportunities, whether the government figures their part out or not, to show love to our immigrant neighbors, mm-hmm. and that's such an urgent thing for the church right now, especially at a time when a lot of immigrants in our communities are feeling less welcome than they used to, perhaps, or wondering mm-hmm. if they really belong here. To reach out to to reach out to immigrant congregations as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife and I go to a Spanish-speaking church, and it's just been really life-giving for us to to be able to worship alongside folks from Central America and Mexico mm-hmm. and the Caribbean. And you know, there's lots of ministries that churches can do, whether that's English classes or um, being involved in refugee resettlement. And World Relief does that. We're we're happy to help local churches with that where we can. Uh, whether it's legal services or you know youth programs, there's so many. At the core, it's it's friendship. People are coming often without knowing a lot of people in this country, and to be welcomed by someone who knows their way around this community um, and shown the love of Christ it can be really transformational. Mm. And sometimes those folks are already believers. Oftentimes they are. It's a brother or sister in Christ, and sometimes they're not. And it's an opportunity to point people to Jesus as we obey that command to love our neighbors as ourselves. Wow. Well, I tell you what. Uh We've been able to work with World Relief and with you guys for a while, and with the refugee resettling, we've been able to help families and walk with them and get them integrated. Of course, the funding was cut, that program was cut, and therefore uh, we haven't been able to help as much as we've wanted to over the last year, unfortunately. But we know those folks are here. We know uh, that we still need to love on them, and I pray that we can gain your wisdom and put it into practice. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Anderson. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to just say thank you for allowing us uh, to come into uh, your world, for creating uh, for us, Lord, uh, a place where we could immigrate 
into safety called heaven in the kingdom of God. So uh, we pray for wisdom. We pray for Matthew as well. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. and amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.